This is the MDRT Podcast. Whether it's working with a new team member or a client who refuses to adapt to recommendations, advisors always have challenges to handle. During a conversation at MDRT headquarters before the pandemic, PJ Byrne, Brisbane, Australia. Jonathan Godshaw, Puebla, Mexico. Danielle Genier, Timmins, Ontario. Randy Kaufman, Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Discuss difficult interpersonal circumstances and how they have worked to resolve them. I'm a senior, and I think the challenge that I and others face in our situation is transitioning our practices and transitioning from a standpoint of our client's best interest and doing things a certain way. So dealing with some generational changes, millennials and Gen Xers and so forth, it's been very challenging to place my value and the way I service individuals. I think you've heard someone from singing happy birthday and stopping by and seeing clients unannounced because they've become somewhat friends to try to transition that and translate that into some of my other advisors younger than I to do the same thing. And that's been a real challenge. The numbers isn't the issue. Uh, the data isn't the issue. The planning isn't the issue. It's how we're going to be touching those clients going forward. And it's going to be different. And I'm very concerned that on a face-to-face basis and on a personal basis that that ultimately will go away. And I'm being challenged by that right now. Specifically, one advisor just uh, doesn't have the relationship skills and yet wants to be out there and meeting with the clients. And and some of those clients are, what if you're not there tomorrow? Um, So the understanding is that that individual or individuals will be taking over. But I need to really work on that and, and get it a little bit more organized in the overall process. And I don't know if I can change it. It's challenging. We do things differently, but it's all in the good of the client. But if I'm not there, I have some real concerns. Is there a number one priority in terms of how you're going to try to solve that moving forward? I think it, me taking the individuals out more and more, and they're all familiar with the client base, but trying to, you know, listen. I don't expect anyone to be me, and I surely don't expect to be anyone else. We are who we are, uh, and I realize that. And someone told me, you're just never going to change. Don't try to change individuals. I'm not trying to change individuals. I'm I'm trying to change the process to be more conducive to our existing book of business, that it continues into the future for the benefit of clients and their families and their businesses. That's the goal. And the way I do it and the way one may do it currently isn't going to meet those goals. So that's my challenge, and I have to work on that. And I'll get it done. I think if in, in your situation, I'd be asking the client what they want from the firm because you've done things naturally because of who you are, but that doesn't mean it's important to the client. What would be important for them to stay with the firm that you have? And that's how we've done that as well And because it is hard when my dad left the business, my dad did it this way, and I do it a different way. But... Under all, the clients know that we'll still help them at a claim time. We still have their best interests at heart. Our phone calls are, an- you know, our phone's there. Our team are there to answer it. We're not going through your call centre. And it's interesting that as long as that the fundamentals of care and the clients know that the business is still there to look after them and their families. I think sometimes I even overthink how important I am in the process because we can, and yet. Sometimes it's like letting go and seeing how that person steps up as well because it's hard to step up. I know when my dad was in the business, I couldn't step up because he was there. 
And so when he wasn't, I had to step up. I had room to step up because he wasn't in the way and vice versa. And we've started that process, which is really, and I'm starting to see some positive signs on that. Opening up, forgetting my way the best way. There's other ways, and I'm finding out that that's working. Not progressing as fast as I want, based on where I am, but it's definitely progressing in the right direction. I can think of one specific one. I've been in this business seven years, so not that much, but enough. And at the end of last year, my wife decided to join the business. So that's been a challenge, of course, because I've always been used to doing things my way, like you said. And it's not only now a partner, now it's a partner wife. So you don't have control at all (laughs) anymore. (laughs) Yeah, but it's been fine. I mean, many things have changed, many things haven't. And it's been good. It's been 11 months already. And I think everything's being great at the end. What's your role? Is she is she an advisor as well within the firm? I mean... Yeah, she's an advisor, but she's not going to be an advisor all the time. She will, like, become, like, a developer for new advisors later on. But now she's an advisor because she needs to know the role from the bottom all the way to the top. Something like that. What's the toughest thing you've had to work through during that time? Well, it's not one toughest thing. I mean, the whole scenario was difficult because it wasn't like a new worker or a new collaborator. It was my wife. So you can say things like you normally say to people you pay. It's different. I think it's not necessarily the information you were going to give her. It was how she was going to receive it. Mm-hmm. Where somebody oh, from yeah, the outside, definitely. yeah, 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 right? Somebody mm-hmm. from the outside is going to look at you as an expert, and they're going to receive it and accept it. Where your spouse is, don't use that tone of voice with me, mm-hmm. or why are you talking to me like that, or right? That is the way it's, it was accepted. Yeah, definitely. Right. So that's where you had to be more careful. It's okay, how do I tell her she has to speak like this, or no, you don't say it this way. You say it this way. One of my challenges that we're very process-driven practice and we do budget sessions with clients and I'd say 85, 90% of clients accept the budget process and thrive on it once they get rolling on it. But I have that 10% and it drives me crazy that I can't get them to change that and Part of that is there are people that are really close to me, some of my relatives. I would love to see them because if they can follow the budget process financially, it'd be good. Uh, You know, sometimes the goals is to educate their children without debt. Well, you have to put money aside, but they can't get their finances in order to put the money aside. So it's that 10% of people that I can't seem to reach, and especially when it's to do with a budget. Because all, all financial plans start with having the money to be able to do it, but they have to realize where they spend the money and write the budget process. So that part of it, I find it very frustrating. And I've tried to be, right, I call it the tough attitude, the empathy attitude. I try to give them a goal. It's almost work with them weekly. I don't know. I've tried many ways and I can't seem to get them. And I just want to accept the answer is that some you won't get them all. 
right? So that part of it is that there's got to be a way, but I don't know how. And that's why I most listen to people when, right, where everybody was talking about what process they bring their clients, right? I asked them one of the questions, do you do a budget? Yeah, how do you do it, right? How do you get people on that budget? And that's probably what the day I leave this industry that I would like to know, how do I get to those difficult people? So you don't believe that there are some people who just won't and can't budget? No, because the process that we bring them through is so simple and I get it and I understand as I, right? I'm, it's my world, I get it. But it would be, like I said, if 85% of the client could follow it, the other 15% can't, but there's something there that I'm missing because a client has to want to change. There's like diets and exercise and correct. There's people that will diet or that will exercise, and we all know what we should eat and shouldn't eat, but this still doesn't mean we won't do it. But there's a way to be able to connect with, and some people need. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. What piece have I not tried with them, right? Because I've tried, like I say, the be tough. I've tried to be, you know, upset with them. I've tried to be nice to them. I tried to be empathy. I tried to. Walk them through slowly. So what other thing can I try to maybe go get the other 5 or 10%? Maybe some third party or maybe some outside influence. I mean, sometimes, especially when you're dealing with some family members or even close acquaintances, that the advice you want to give and the support and the help you're trying to provide comes better from another voice, comes better from another same communication, okay, same process, but presented from a different person or better yet, tell a story of, why this person did this and this person did it, and we want you to be on that one. I tried. You know, it's, it's, it's. I just found out it's. I, I'm not the best messenger all the time, and I've learned to try to bring okay. other messengers into the process. And sometimes we can accomplish what we need to accomplish. Thank you. I'm gonna try that one. Very good. As we, my challenge uh, mm-hmm. that we had in the business was, we helped a client with a total and permanent disability claim, and it took several months. We had him on income protection along the path and the time frame to get that claim over the line was a couple of months. We set that expectation, but unfortunately he was quite ill, but he was also, we're dealing with quite a few clients that have mental illness and as part of that they get very anxious or they get anxiety or they get depression or they get angry. And so we have to, in our practice, sort of go along the roller coaster sometimes with those clients and we got to a point where we'd paid out the benefit, had the income protection going on and I pretty much put my heart and soul into that claim. It, it became quite draining and I think my my challenge in this industry is more people face mental health issues is how we don't end up having our own when we're dealing with lots of people at the time of claim and the thing for me with that client is he was becoming quite overwhelming you know, he'd be calling out of hours and, and I just don't answer out of hours if I know which client it is respectfully. If it was a one-off and it was a something, this is not right, I'll answer it. But to try and keep them within a discipline that of, you know, 8.30 to 5 or whatever. But we actually had to have a difficult conversation with him and suggest that, well, not suggest, I was telling him he's got to go and find someone else to look after him unless he gets back in line I said, I can respect that you're not well and you've got health issues, but you're getting treatment for those, but you cannot, This is the. these are our non-negotiables. And I think getting uh, very clear on the non-negotiables with my own team is how we'll accept to be treated and respected. And if 
I think last year we terminated two clients that just didn't fit our model or didn't show the respect to the team. And they might not show it to the team, but they get on the phone to me and they're all nice and happy. But it's unacceptable if, if, if clients won't treat everyone in our team, no matter where they are in the, the pecking order, with you know 100% respect, then we move them on. And I think that was our biggest challenge. And in hindsight now, it's not a challenge. It's been more empowering for the team. They know that they're more important to us and that we've got to have our own hub and community running well and we just won't have people come in and affect that. So I don't know if others have had clients that have pushed them to the limit, but this year it was for us. What we do if a staff member, if somebody comes in impolite, swears at them, right, raises their voice at them, is that the first thing they have to do is let me know. I set the appointment with the client and I say, these are the rules. I say, you can yell at me all you want because I can fire you, but you are not going to mistreat my staff. They're not your staff, they're my staff. So I say, these are, right, accept it, or by all means, we'll help you find another advisor. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go apologize to them. If they're not willing to do that, they're gone. That's right. Because, right, Mm -hmm. nobody deserves to be yelled at, but I can let them go. Mm. The staff can't. That's a great point. PJ, it sounds like you handled that great. Was there a point during that time where you felt like you didn't know what to do? I think it's when you know the right answer and you know what's got to be done and you know what might happen. So I think for me it was just because the person was is ill, I think my empathy goes out to them and I sort of feel sorry for them, but it just got to a point where we can't do that. And I think the other thing from us is... From the learnings that we've had in quite a few of these claims in the last few years is they are quite draining. So we're now sort of looking at ways to help our team and and myself after claims. How do you also stay sort of fresh and and cleanse yourself of what you've done to, to carry those people through? So we talk about our claims after we have them and make sure everybody's okay or if they would need to talk to someone, we have that facility because we're like we talked about earlier, we're sitting with people that are dying. We go to their funerals. We, you know, have conversations with them that they don't even have with their other family members. And so it's quite important that we keep an eye on our own health and, and mental health as we take on those challenges. And I think most great advisors are good friends or great friends with their clients. And Randy, you talked about dropping in and seeing people. I get that as well. You, you become part of their family and their world and whether they're a trusted advisor. So, uh, yeah, I hope that sort of helps. That's the end of this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, you can find us on SoundCloud and Spotify at MDRT Podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.